Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Numbers chapter 17 and beginning at verse number 2. Amen. Let's read this together. Speaking to the children of Israel and take of every one of them a rod. Everybody say a rod. According to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes according to the house of their fathers. Twelve rods. Everybody say twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. One rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers, and they shall lay them uh, up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you, and it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And if you'll jump down to verse number 8. And it came to pass on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of the witness and beheld the rod of Aaron. Everybody say the rod of Aaron. For the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed and blossoms, bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. Now that's pretty, that's pretty nifty. I mean, a rod that had been cut down in the span of just 12 hours would bloom blossom and produce fruit it's absolutely a miracle amen and i want to talk tonight about uh, branches reconnected to the vine amen let's pray together jesus we thank you for your word we thank you for your tremendous presence in this place tonight for the worship for the blessings lord for what you're going to do open our understanding for lord we have not come to be entertained and we have come to be transformed and challenged by your holy word in the name of Jesus and the church said amen man God bless you you can be seated look at somebody and tell them you look better than I do tonight amen some of y'all are lying need to repent I'm just I'm just kidding amen amen praise God I uh, was getting ready before church and I realized that I had brought my suit and my shirt and my tie, but I didn't bring the shoes. And so I was scrambling at the last minute. Thank God I picked up the cleaning before I came to the office today. I was able to throw this together. I didn't think you'd want to see me wear a dark, dark gray suit with bright brown shoes. Amen. These younger guys can pull it off. I can't. Amen. So I put on this tweed jacket and I thought, dear Lord. All's missing is a pipe, amen. But here we are, praise. We don't smoke pipes anyway, praise God. Um, we want to get back into this and talk about uh, branches reconnected to the vine. It, it's important. I'm going to recap just a little about what we talked about. Um, it's been three weeks ago now as we launched into this. Um, it, it's to understand the concept of the kingdom. We're a part of a kingdom. We're a part of an eternal. 
I want you to say it with me. We're a part of an eternal kingdom. Say it with me. We are a part of an eternal kingdom. So you're more than just part of a local church. You're, you're a part of an eternal kingdom. We are as connected to our future as we are to our past because it is an eternal kingdom. No, no matter how long or short our time is in the kingdom, we are a part of the kingdom. Now, the, the word kingdom is mentioned at the onset of the New Testament. Matthew 5 begins with the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm not going to go into depth. How many remember me talking about the Sermon on the Mount a few weeks ago? Okay, I'm going to go in depth. I saw two hands. Amen. So I'm going to dive right back into this. Amen. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, like Moses' exodus, a multitude uh, that followed Moses out of Egypt and into the wilderness, so as it was with Christ, a multitude followed him from the city into the wilderness, amen, where he took them to a mountain. Also, uh, instead of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses, amen, Jesus preached nine Beatitudes, amen. Moses, if you remember, I said Moses preached the Ten Can't. The Ten Cantmandments, and Jesus taught the Nine Cantmandments. Amen. The law was all about what you couldn't do. Christ did not come to do away with the law. Christ came and fulfilled the law. Amen. And 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 therefore, whatever He did was in fulfillment of the law. For instance, and uh, I, I'm not going to chase this rabbit too far down the trail but uh for instance dietary law christ fulfilled the law so don't ever let anybody condemn you over dietary law matter of fact paul wrote about that in colossians and he said don't don't let anybody get after you and try to tell you that you you know you can't eat this meat and you have to obey these feast dates and you know the worship on, on new moons and things he said no, that's not for you you're a gentile Christ has fulfilled that law, amen? And so I, I'm going to tell you right now with a straight face and as much faith and, and honesty and genuinity that I can muster, I don't feel a shred bad about eating bacon. Matter of fact, the more bacon I eat, the closer to the Lord I feel, amen? I, I start feeling the rush of the Holy Ghost flow through me. Amen, when I'm eating some bacon, glory to God, hallelujah. Now you wrap that bacon around some shrimp, Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to go home for Christmas and I'm going to eat me some catfish atchafalaya. And if you don't know what that is, Google it and lick the screen. Amen. And I'm glad that Jesus has fulfilled the law. Amen. And, and, and because he said in John, uh, he said, for the law is told, you know, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. And Jesus said, I, I, I've come to declare all foods are now kosher. For it's not what goes in the man's mouth or out into the trough that defiles the man, but what goes in his heart. Therefore, Jesus fulfilled the law of the diet. Matter of fact, Peter was a bit of a slow learner. He didn't even catch that years later in the book of Acts. God gives him a, a, a vision of a, a, a blanket or a net being laid before him, and on it was all kinds of unclean animals. And the Lord said to Peter, rise, slay, and eat. And Simon Peter, he was such a self-righteous, pompous little 
Pentecostal because he said, Lord, I have, I have never eaten any of these unclean animals. And the Lord rebuked him. He said, who are you to tell me what I've created is unclean? Now, this was symbolic to... Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to just go on a little diatribe here. I want you to get a, a fuller understanding of why the law is the way it was. Unclean foods were declared unclean not because of nutritional purposes. It was because those represented things or nations or peoples that God considered unclean. He said they are like the pig. Right? They are like the unclean of the... So, and God was drilling into uh, uh, the, the Israelite people that they are a chosen people. That they are a holy people. So if you want to get down to why God gave Moses the law, the dietary law, because it was to reemphasize to Israel that you are to be a holy people, a separate people. Because those foods represent uncleanliness. Those foods represent idolatry and perversion, and you're not that. So not only are you not going to look like the pagans look, Not only are you going to eat, not, not, not talk like the pagans talk. Did you know there is no, did you know there is no Jewish cuss word? Do you know that? Do you know that, Abraham? You didn't know that? I thought you knew that. There's no, there is no curse word in the Hebrew language. Did you know that? You know it now. Do you know it now? So if you go trying to learn how to cuss in Hebrew, you can't do it. They don't have them. There is no, and don't, there is no organic, there is no organic Hebrew word that has any, any, any curse or filth to it. When the Hebrew people wanted to cuss, they borrowed the words of the pagans. And they adapted that into their language. You go, go and study. Amen. That because they, they had no word that would represent something that would violate even their mouth. Because God gave them that language. Right? And so they had to reach out and borrow it from the Philistines. Or they had to borrow it from the Edomites. Or whoever they borrowed that from and brought it in. You see, God was drilling into Israel. You are chosen. You are separate. You're not like anybody. Like anybody. That, that's when I, when I hear people say, well, God don't care about, you know, all this standards of holiness and all this. Are you kidding me? For thousands of years, he pushed that into Israel. Don't eat this. Don't do, don't eat this way. Don't look this. Matter of fact, don't even sow two plants in the same field. God was drilling into them separation. You're not like them. You're not like them. You're not like them. You don't belong. You belong to me. So the way you, the way you act, you need to act separate. The way you look, 
You need to look separate. The way you talk, you need to talk separate. Even down to the way you eat, he said, you need to eat separate. Because God brought them out of Egypt where they had homogenized into the Egyptian culture where it was hard to distinguish between an Egyptian and an Israelite. And when God pulled them out of Egypt now, Brother Abraham, he has, now has to take Egypt out of Israel, not Israel out of Egypt. Getting Israel out of Egypt was quite easy. He did it like that. But getting Egypt out of Israel took 40 years. And, and one can still argue, he's still trying to get Egypt out of Israel. See, God can save you from sin just like that. But it's the after he sets you free from sin. It's the after your sins are forgiven and washed in the blood. It's after you come out of the waters of baptism that now you need to start saving yourself. Because the one thing God can't save you from is yourself. What did Peter say? Save yourself from this untoward generation. Amen. You're going to have to constantly work, as Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you get a revelation of what salvation is, and I get it. It means salvation is a working process. You're truly never saved in this life if that makes sense you're being saved right you're being saved because if you say well now i'm saved. if we say that we understand the verbiage you know i used to hear the old timers and we used to sing a song and say you know they'd stand up testify i'm saved sanctified filled with the holy ghost amen well we are saved we're saved from our sins but we are being saved from ourselves because sin man you can get over that but self whoo you ain't gonna get, self is a deal now. I, I've had people come up, Pastor, pray for me. I need deliverance. It's a spirit. I'm like, yeah, it ain't a spirit. It's you. Spirit be easy. We can cast that booger out in Jesus' name. Bam, it's gone. But you, <laughs> I can't cast you out of you. If I cast you out of you, just be a lump of flesh laying on the ground. So salvation is that working of ourselves. So he gets Egypt out. How does or Israel out of Egypt? How does he do it? Through the blood, through the Red Sea, which is the waters, waters of baptism. Paul said, "I'd have you not ignorant, brethren, how all our fathers passed both passed were baptized in the cloud, that is the Holy Ghost, and in the sea, that is water baptism." So they came out of that Egypt through the blood of the Lamb, through water baptism in Jesus' name through baptism of the cloud, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and pursuing to follow after the fire and the cloud daily. Okay? But they now they're out of Egypt. Now we got to get Egypt out of us. Amen? Because I'm a believer, but I still got worldish things in me. I, I still got Egypt-ish attitude to deal with in myself. Maybe not you. Everybody on this front row is probably perfect. But, but I've got, there, there's some Egypt needs to get worked out of me from time to time. And, it, and it's not as simple uh, sometimes, and, and I wish it were, but it's not always as simple as running to the altar and praying it through. Sometimes it's leaving the church and living it through.
Because it's a lot easier to come down here and put it on the altar. It's something altogether different to carry it. Amen. I wish being saved meant you just come to church and talk in tongues and that's it. That's not. That's empowerment. That's strength that's fueling the tank. That's fire in the furnace. But but it that ain't it all that you gotta walk it. Amen. You you've got to live it outside this. So he gets Egypt out, uh, Israel out of Egypt in just a matter of hours, but it takes 40-plus years to get Egypt out of Israel. I mean, to the point, you know, they're worshiping pagan gods, and you know, there's the whole golden calf fiasco that happens. And then, you know, it seems like every time Israel gets discouraged, they turn back to pagan gods. It, isn't it amazing? I mean, what a trip. Like, God parts the Red Sea. It's a pretty big deal, Sister Elva. I don't know about you, but if I were to walk out to Lake Berryessa and... It just stood up on edge, and I could walk across on dry land because God wanted me to eat bacon-wrapped catfish on the other side. I don't think I'd ever have to say, if there is a God. That's a pretty big deal. And, and, and then a pillar of fire by night. you got heating by night. You ever been in a desert at night? It gets cold. How many of you ever been in a desert at night? It gets cold. I don't know why it goes from so hot to so cold. I don't like the desert. I don't even look out the window when I fly over it. I don't like the desert. I mean, it is hot during the day and colder than a mother-in-law's kiss at night. But not your mother-in-law, though. I get it. But it gets cold. And at night, God gives them fire to keep them warm. And here's their job. Even God and follow Him. At day, He gives them air conditioning. By blocking the sun with a cloud. I mean, it's not like you had to wake up in the morning, Brother Ricardo, and go, I wonder where God wants us to go today. Because all you got to do is walk out the tent and go, Oh, here we are. And if that cloud's moving to the east, well, you just roll up your little tent and pack up the babies and grandma, and you just start following the cloud. Pretty simple. And yet every time they hit an obstacle... What did they say? We'd have been better off in Egypt. We'd have been better off to die in Egypt. They were willing to go back and be slaves rather than have to live by faith. It's so amazing that when people hit obstacles in living for God, the first thing they want to revert back to is the damnable nature God's trying to bring them out of. That's why Paul said, I protest by your rejoicing. In other words, Paul said, I don't want to hear you belly aching. Because I remember you dancing on Sunday about the goodness of God. So suck up that bottom lip and give the world a smile. That's, that was the Timothy James version. Amen. So you've got to understand that that... that God is working in you a process of salvation. Look at somebody and say, God's still working on me. And look at them and say, God's still working on you. And just look at them. And give, look at them kind of, give them the taco head. Look at them. Now look at them with some pity and say, and boy, he's got a lot more work to do, don't he? Because he's still working on it. It doesn't excuse us from not wanting to follow God or not 
obeying God, but you, you, you got to follow him. We, we're going to fall. Everybody say, I will fall, but I'm going to get up again. I mean, living for God, living for God is not, you know, it's not some days is not as clear as just walking out, open the door and go, oh, the cloud's going that way. I'll follow it. Sometimes it's a little ambiguous. You don't know. How are you going to know to follow the cloud on a cloudy day? You ever think about that one? You ever think about that? You know, it rains in the desert sometimes. What about when they got out and it was raining and the skies filled with clouds? And does your bubble gum lose flavor on the bedpost overnight? Think about that too. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> For real, what, what, how are you going to... It's, it's easy to follow the cloud when it ain't nothing but blue skies. It's something altogether different when it's foggy. It gets foggy in the deserts. Then you've got to learn to trust. Some of you right now, you don't got blue skies and living for God right now. It's pretty foggy. You've got to learn to trust the direction and that intuition that is the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to follow the Lord. Amen? And so Moses gives 10 you can'ts. Jesus gives 10 you can Nine you can'ts. Amen? And so Jesus fulfills that law. Now, I said I wasn't going to chase that rabbit, but here I am on the back 40 now. Because Jesus fulfilled the dietary law. He says, okay. I said all of that to say, you thought I forgot where I was going, but I'm looping it around. God gave all of that through Moses to bring Israel to understand you are not Egypt. You don't live in Egyptian houses. You don't eat Egyptian food. You don't wear Egyptian clothing. They had to get rid of all that stuff. I mean, when, when Israel left, they were throwing clothes at them. They were throwing sandals at them. They were throwing jewelry at them. And when they got over the Red Sea, Moses said, uh-uh, we can't take Egypt into the promised land. We got to leave that behind. Amen. Where, do you, where do you think they got all the gold to build that golden, that, that golden calf? They got it from the Egyptian gold. They just melted it all up. And, 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 and see, the thing was, that wasn't for them. If they had gotten rid of Egypt's treasures, they wouldn't have been able to stumble with Egypt's so-called blessing. They held on to it. Amen? So you've got to let God get Egypt out of your life. You've got to let God get the world out of us. Amen? We've got to let the Holy Ghost get the world out of us. I don't want to be like the world. Let me rephrase that. The Holy Ghost don't want me to be like the world. My flesh wants me to be like the world. I mean, it's actually getting a little easier to not want to be like the world than it was. Because now you look at the I mean, used to the world, and I know my grandparents said the world was crazy back in the 80s, but man, I'm telling you, it's nuts now. Looney tune, fruity pebble, nuts. Crazy. I, and now it's like, yeah, I don't want to be like the world. I mean, these folks are crazy. I mean, you look at them and, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Full-grown men 
dressing up in women's lingerie and want to spend an hour with people's kids at the library. Now, I'm telling you, that's crazy. It doesn't sound as good as drag queen story hour, does it? Kind of. No, it's a, it's a grown man wearing woman's underwear wanting to spend time with your kid. Uh-uh. Nope. You're crazy and a sprayed cockroach if you think I'm okay with that. That's easy to not want to be like that. Amen? So so now, now we can say, I don't want to be. But, but there are things in the world that my flesh has an appetite for. And the way I get rid of that is by following the Spirit every day. Following the Spirit every day by the Beatitudes. Everybody say the Beatitudes. Amen. And, and so... The, the, the Beatitudes begin with a kingdom, and, and Christ is always talking about the kingdom and the Beatitudes. And, you know, blessed is the meek, and blessed is the poor, and they shall inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom, the kingdom. We believe in the kingdom around here. We, we believe kingdom first. That's more than a slogan. It's what we live by. Put the kingdom first. Others' days, you're tested more in that area than others. Jesus, instead of saying, thou shalt not, he said, blessed are. Blessed are. It didn't make it less difficult. It just changed the motive. I'm not serving God because of what I can't do. I'm serving God because of what I get to do. We got we got to change our mindset. Oh, I have to go to churches. I have to I have to do this. I have to I have to sing or I have to be an usher. I have to do it. No, no, we get to. We get if you're kingdom minded, it's you get to. Amen. I get to be at church tonight. Amen. Amen. Thou shalt not put the burden on our shoulders. It focuses on you doing. But blessed are focuses on us being and us becoming. We are a, a, a whether we're a certain type of person or not, what, no matter what our natural proclivities are, it, it, it allows us to become in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if we're not focused upon doing but being, what does that say? It, it says that God makes us a certain way and, and we can be the way God has made us to be by becoming and following the blessed ours. Amen. He, he concentrates upon the state of the heart. Amen. It, in, in the law, you can say it was a quite easier under the law than you would say it was now. Because in the law, it was simple. Just, just the thou shalt not. And it's it. Pretty simple. You know, don't commit adultery. Pretty simple, all right? Uh, don't kill. I accomplished that today. We're good. Don't steal. I can do that. Go down the list. Pretty simple. But when Jesus shows up, he, he says, yeah, yeah, that too, but. That too, but. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look after a woman in your heart to lust after her, you have already committed adultery. Well, all of a sudden it got, <laughs> it's like, whoa. And all the men were going, well, this is a bummer. Because before, all they had to do was not touch. Now they can't dwell on it in their mind. They can't fantasize. So it raised the bar. It said, you've heard, thou shalt not steal. Or, or thou shalt not kill. But if you, I'm telling you, if you hate your brother, you are already a murderer. And they're going, well, wait a second. You know, I felt pretty good about myself as long as I wasn't clubbing somebody to death with an axe handle. I mean, 
I, now you're telling me I got to actually like people? I mean, look at Peter's response. Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. You know he thought he was highballing that negotiation. He was a fisherman. He was skilled at working the markets. He was using the art of the deal. He was highballing. Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Because he thought to himself, surely the Lord's not going to say I've got to forgive somebody more than seven times. We're going to negotiate this down maybe like four times, maybe three times. I can handle forgiving somebody three times. Seven is outrageous. Jesus said, <laughs> seven times? Try 70 times seven, Bubba. In a day? Yeah, in a day. Now, don't you go out there and get you a calculator. You'll go around your job going, 283, 311. You're getting close. Say it, say it one more time. Please, you're almost here. 489, please say it one more time. Please. His hands has been itching to find your face. Come on, please say it one more time. I've forgiven you 489. Honey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to let it go. I'm about to cloud up and rain all over you. Well, Jesus wasn't saying take a tally. It was philosophical what he was saying was, in other words, not seven times, but seven times 70. Number one, what kind of dingbat you got to be to sit around and let somebody make you mad 490 times in a day? Real, I mean, really? 490? You're going to sit there 490 times and let them offend you? You can't find somewhere else? What he was saying was, you just keep on forgiving. You just keep on forgiving. Because that's a, it was easy to say, I'm right with God. I didn't kill him. Jesus said, no, I'm going to take it further than that. You've got to love them, and you've got to forgive them no matter what. Amen? And so it, 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 this is what he's doing. There, there's, there's no way you can do something physically to obey the commandments that Jesus laid out. This is on a mountain. Amen? The mountain speaks of kingdoms. Jesus began preaching about the kingdom of God. Exodus referred uh, to old Israel, but this new Exodus and the kingdom of God deals with the new Israel. And new Israel is the church. Everybody say, that's me. It's the church. We are the new Israel. Amen. We are spiritual Israel. Look at somebody and say, I'm spiritual Israel. Amen. The Old Testament passages that speak to Israel were interpreted by the church as referring to the church. In both instances above, Levi's tribe and the Levites were indicated uh, as considered blessed and holy. Holy means one that is consecrated to God. Holy means one that is separate from the rest. And in this case, with the surrounding people being involved in sin, that separation to God uh, is one that is separate apart from sin. So it's not enough to separate from the world. you got to separate now unto God. Now you hear me say that a lot because it's important. If you're just separated from the world, you're just weird. If you're just separate from the world and not separated unto God, I mean, you're just ominous or something. Right? Say, Pastor, you're going to offend them. How are they going to know? Get a hand crank out there and project it to them. 
be separate from the world and unto God. Somebody say, I belong to God. When Israel worshipped a golden calf, Levi came out from amongst them and stood with Moses. The Levites separated themselves from the rest of Israel who worshipped a golden calf. And the Levite staff was the one that blossomed in indication that God chose that people to be his priests among all Israel after everyone railed on Moses saying God told them that they would all be priests. They were just yelling at Moses. You said we were all going to be priests, but they failed. But the Levites withstood the evil. Amen. What led uh, to the rod uh, was Korah's rebellion saying that, well, we're all, we're all equals and, and all of us will we'll listen to number 16 and 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, uh, you take too much upon you seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Evidently, they resorted to God's word in Exodus 19 when he said they would be an entire kingdom of priests, every one of them. But, but those that thought that they were going to be priests did not separate themselves from sin and disqualified themselves in this time. Amen. Exodus 19 and 4 through 6 says, ye have seen uh, what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on the eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, then you shall be a, put a, a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for the earth is mine and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. But God put a stipulation on that. Amen. He said he put a stipulation on that. If they would obey his voice, if they would keep his commandment and be a peculiar treasure, a special entity to God, then God would anoint them priests. But they had to obey his voice and they had to keep his commandment and be a peculiar or a separate chosen treasure unto God. The same works today. We still have to be separate from the world today and separated unto God. It's the same today. Revelations 5, uh, excuse me, Revelations 1 and 5 through 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I got another New Testament scripture saying that we are the priest of God, a chosen priesthood. Then Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 and 9 through 10, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Remember in Exodus, God said you must be a peculiar treasure. And now Peter says you are a peculiar people. Doesn't mean weird, it just means different. Amen? Doesn't mean weird, just means different. You're a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has brought us out of darkness and into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained uh, mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The church is the people of God. I want to say this really clear. The church is the people of God, not Israel. 
The church is the people of God, not Israel. I want to make that very clear. Because we don't, we don't do Jew worship around here. We don't do that. You say, well, what is that? We don't go under the law of Moses to try to be Old Testament Israel to impress God. It's not how we do it. We don't look at Israel and say we need to be more like them. We look at God and say we need to be more like Him. We don't need to wear a yarmulke. We don't need a tallit. We don't need the uh, the 12 golden candlesticks. We don't need a shafar. We don't need any of that stuff. All we need is the power of the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins to be forgiven, walking holy and righteous before Him. And if we have that, brother and sister, that's all we need because Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. Amen. Amen. God has called us to do that. Amen. I'm going to be wrapping up here. Ephesians chapter 2. If you have that scripture in verses 12 through 18. That at a time, uh, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope. That was me. And without God in the world. That's us. But now in Christ Jesus ye uh, who were sometimes far off made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity uh, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances. He, did you catch what that said? He broke down the law, the commandments of ordinances. I people sometimes get caught up on that. We were just in the Philippines and we were talking about a man that we had seen. Uh, uh, he was a pastor over there, over there. And uh, uh, some years ago, I was preaching there in this area and uh, I was preaching in their church and the power of God moved in and uh, he had he had type one diabetes. And, and in, a, in a third world country, that's a death sentence. He had it for about a year. And they told him he wasn't going to live long. And God healed him in that service. Instantly, God healed him. And uh, we were talking about this with Pastor Sarima. And, and I mean, God healed him. God healed him. He didn't need insulin anymore. His blood sugars re regulated. The doctors even said it was a miracle. Amen. And then some years later, I come back to preach at his church. Uh, I, matter of fact, I don't know why I felt this. I, I told Pastor uh, 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 Midos, I said, look, I want to go back and preach. Uh, for this pastor and he said why and I said well I just feel it in my heart he said well you need to know something he's starting to get off into this messianic uh, uh, Jewish stuff and I said are you kidding he said no he's having his whole church be rebaptized in the name of Yeshua and I said are you serious he said yeah they're starting to they're starting to uh, now observe feast days they only have church on Saturdays now and I said well my only time is Sunday so let's have church on Sunday. And so we they end up, you know, letting us have church on Sunday. We had a great service. Other, you know how it is. All the other churches in the area gathered around. We packed it out. I moved God. And after service, he starts talking to me about these revelations he's gotten. Well, the Bible is of no private interpretation. And I'm going to tell you this stuff. This stuff, man, I'm going to tell you what. It really gets my goat when somebody starts getting off on this stuff. How this Jewish stuff. And God's giving them a revelation to pray and hakama, 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 whatever. No. That's not, that's not for us. Matter of fact, it's not even for the Jewish people anymore. Don't start with all that mess. 
if a Jewish person is going to be saved, they got to repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost just like us. And whether they eat pork chops or lamb chops don't matter to God anymore. Now, I know we're not going to get off into eschatology, but I happen to believe we are the bride of Christ. Let me say it again. We are the bride of Christ. Let me emphasize that. We are the bride of Christ. We are not God's side chick. He's not going to marry us, only get us to the marriage supper of the Lamb and turn around and marry the Jewish people. No, he already divorced them. If you know your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. He wrote them a bill of divorcement and he turned to the Gentile people. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. He turned to the Gentile people. Amen. And, and so he starts telling me, this, this pastor there starts telling me, yeah, I've got the revelation of, of Yeshua because Jesus is not the name of Yeshua. He said, now Yeshua is the, I said, look, you're not even pronouncing it right. You don't even know the true Aramaic pronunciation of his name. It's more Yahshua than it is Yahshua. So you're going to start rebaptizing them every time you learn how to pronounce the word right? And he said, well, I just know that my life has been changed. So I said, well, well, hold on a second. Yeah, your life has been changed. I'm sure. He goes, I start, I'm feeling better. I said, you're feeling better because I laid hands on you and the power of God healed you from diabetes. And I said, now while I'm on it, let me tell you something, Bubba. I didn't pray for you in the name of Yahshua or Yeshua. I laid hands on you and said, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be thou made whole. And I looked at him and I said, Brother Chris, what happened to you when I said in the name of Jesus? He put his head down. He sure goes, well, I was healed. I said, that's right. And I didn't say Yahshua. And I didn't say Suzuki, Yamaha, and Kawasaki. I said in the name of Jesus, because it is the name you can say Yasu, Jesus, Jesus, Yahweh. You can say it, you just need to say the name of Jesus. Believe it or not, God is multilingual. He understands. He said, Well, I just don't know. I, I said, You don't know if you believe it anymore. I said, Brother, you are headed to damnation and perdition if you do not turn around from this. He said, Well, I just understand that that we are is I, we are the new. I said, What are you going to do with this scripture? What are you going to do with this? You're going to turn back like a dog returning to vomit is what the Bible said. You're going to go back and lick up what you puked out? Because you want to seem, you want to seem intelligent? Sorry. I'm eating my bacon in Jesus' name. I don't care about y'all. Amen. You put on all the, you put all the little beanies and yarmulkes and talits and uh, little good luck shoes and menorahs and everything else. I'm calling on the name of Jesus and I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus. What I just read, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. We have people, I, I had somebody uh, just here read in the last couple of years start this whole Sabbath thing. We got to go to, we, we got to go to church on Sabbath. We got to obey dietary. I said, well, well, hold on a second. Jesus fulfilled that. Don't worry, I'm landing the plane. We're almost done. I said, Jesus fulfilled that. They said, no. I said, well, let, let me ask you something. I said, if, if I can prove to you in Scripture Jesus broke the law, 
If I can prove to you Jesus broke the Sabbath, you still going to believe in the Sabbath being on Saturday and that we got to observe it? They said, sure. Because Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. I said, It's not that they're dumb. It's just they know so much that isn't true. You got your phone there. Pull up the scripture. I believe it's in John uh, where Jesus heals the blind man. And they, matter of fact, they just preached about this. Jesus heals the blind man. He said, how much more value is a man than one of your animals being caught in the ditch? Right? <laughs> he said, you'd pull your animal out of the ditch, but I heal a man on the Sabbath and you get your britches in a wad over it. Good luck with that one, Brother Roberto. Amen. Get your chonies tangled up. Amen. <laughs> he said, you're all sideways about this, but you would pull your ox out of the ditch. You, you, you wouldn't let that animal die. But I heal a man on the Sabbath? Huh? Did you find it yet? Get, get a mic and read it for those on the live stream. Because uh, I'm, if I prove to you Jesus broke the Sabbath, would, would that forever rest that case? You say, well, Jesus can't break the law. You're right, he can't. He can fulfill it. You know where I'm at right there? The blind man being healed. You, let me know when you get it, when he starts talking about uh, when they accused him. So they look at Jesus and they say, wait a second. Now, you you being a rabbi, because Jesus walked around wearing a tallit, which identified him as a rabbi. You remember the young girl, Jairus' daughter, he raised from the dead. He, straight, he spread that prayer, that prayer shawl, that tallit over her. And, and the Bible says, he said, Tabitha. Tabitha, but the actual Greek translation is tallit. He was wearing that garment as a rabbi. And let me know when you got it. He's, he's feverishly looking. You, you can feel the vibrations. He's trying to find it. He's reading so fast. Don't worry. I'm going to close on this. I just want, I want to show you. The next time somebody starts getting, well, you got you, you got to have church on Sunday. And all. Well, let me just tell you about them folks anyway, them, uh, the Jehovah's Witness folks on that, all that stuff, you know. Every time they knock on my door and say, we're, we're Jehovah's Witness, my response is, I didn't know there was a wreck. And they never usually want to talk with me because I know more about them than they know about themselves. And I know they've predicted the end of the world four times in the last 118 years and they've missed it every time. And they rewrote the Bible because the scriptures that doesn't match up with their doctrine, they just removed it. Amen. There we go. John 9. Amen. And 2. Who's on the computer over there? Who's going to take credit for it? Okay. There you go, Sister Sophia. Keep going down. Go down about verse number six. Amen. Keep going. Brother Garza, keep finding until you find that. That's not the one I believe is John 5. And um, there, there, where was I? I was talking about something. She wasn't listening. I'm just kidding. What was I saying? He wasn't listening, huh? JWs. And they've predicted, and the last time they did, I believe was, I wonder if it was 1960, was it 1968 or 19? I'm looking at you like you know the answer. She wasn't even alive in 68. 
<laughs> and uh, they, they, they uh, go, go to the scriptures and says, how much more value is a man? You should have been so in tune to that sermon, you know it from heart. And last time they predicted in the world, they made all the members of their cult, I mean their church, sell everything and turn their money into the Watchtower headquarters in New York. And didn't give them people their money back. They had to start all over. And so, I mean, and they're really big on that stuff. They're like, well, you go to church on Sunday, you're a pagan and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, no, you don't follow the Bible. I can show you where the Holy Ghost is poured out on the first day of the week. I can show you where Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. And if it's good enough for the Holy Ghost to be poured out, and it's good enough for Jesus to get up out of a grave on, it's good enough for me to come to church and worship on. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Go down, verse number nine. Let's go down there. If we can't find it, we'll just keep going. It's where the, uh, the religious people really mad at Jesus. Go down, verse 12. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, there we go, verse 16. See, I told you it was right there if you'd listen to me. Read for me, Brother Garzit, verse 16. We're going we're gonna to be done after this. Brother Lucas, give us hope. And therefore did the hey, Jews... Hey, this is Bible study night, all right? This is how we used to have Bible study. You used to have your Bible right beside you. And pastor would look at you and say, now get this verse. And you had to stand up and read it in front of everybody. And if you didn't pronounce it right, you got in trouble. Go ahead. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus. They persecuted Jesus. Why? And sought to slay him. And wait, sought to slay him. We're, we're talking about like bless him. No. no. They wanted to kill Jesus. Why? Because he had done these things on the Sabbath because day. Because he did these things on the Sabbath day. He wasn't supposed to do this. Keep going. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, uh -huh. and I work. Mm -hmm. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Yeah, he ticked them off. Go ahead. Then, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Keep going. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will shew him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Keep going. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. So now he's saying, he's saying, God is doing this through me because I am the Son of God. And now the Jewish people are ready. They, they didn't want to just slay him. They wanted to double kill him. Go ahead. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Right that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. How do you think that's being received? How do you think this is being received? He's saying all this, they're boiling over there. They said they sought to kill Jesus because he had, he, he had they said he broke the Sabbath. And Jesus admitted, he said, yep, because I healed they the religious folks said he broke it Jesus said no I actually fulfilled it because Jesus is our Sabbath amen 
Now, I kind of detoured this. Maybe you're not dealing with this. Maybe you're going to deal with somebody that's going to deal with this. Maybe you have been thinking about this. But I want to tell you something. We are spiritual Israel. And Christ has fulfilled the law. Well, I wish I had time to get into this, but I won't. In Colossians and in Galatians, he's telling the church, look, don't you let people tie you up over all this stuff. Don't, don't you let them get you into dietary laws. Don't you let them get you into all of these issues and, and the severity of the flesh. And, and, and listen to what he says in Colossians 2. Amen. In verse 16, let no man judge, therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility uh, and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God wherefore if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world why as though living in the world are you subject to the ordinances touch not taste not handle not which all perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship in humility and neglecting the body not in any honoring uh, honor to the satisfying of the flesh in other words Paul said don't you ever let somebody tell you that you're going to get closer to God because you don't eat certain meats or you only worship on certain days he said don't be lured into false humility don't be lured into angel worship don't be lured into worship of the commandments and and the law but he said no no that is all will worship that's just severity of the flesh he said if you do that you you're vainly puffed up in your own mind in your own imagination but we are connected to the head of the body which is jesus christ who have jointly knit us together amen we're only in this because of jesus christ amen if, if we had to obey the law of Moses it still wouldn't even work for us because we're Gentiles but Jesus came to save us he came to reconnect the branch to the vine he came to give us a hope and expected end he came to give us people who we were alien we were cut off from the faith we had no relationship with God but Jesus came in and the Bible said in Ephesians he removed the partition that was between us that petition of stone through the law of Moses where we would never be good enough we would never be holy enough we would never be righteous enough Paul wrote and said Jesus stepped in amen and through the cross of Christ and through the blood of Calvary Jesus came in and he removed that and said what you couldn't do in your flesh I've done in my flesh I've given you the sacrifice not by bulls and coats but I've given you the sacrifice of my own blood and because of that I've set you free and I've connected you to a relationship with God hallelujah stand with me hallelujah he said in verse 17 of Ephesians he said and came and preached peace 
to you which were afar off, to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He came and tore all that down. Ephesians 3 and 3 through 6 says, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby you, uh, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In other words, amen, just as there are true spiritual or true Israelites by flesh, there are true spiritual Levites. There are true spiritual priests that come to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. We're the branches being reconnected to the vine. Amen. Hallelujah. We're the branches being reconnected to the vine. We're the branches. We are the spiritual Israel. Amen. When the old Israel rejected Christ, when they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children, when they rejected Jesus and said, he's not our Messiah, then God raised up a Gentile people that said, I don't even know all about this, but I know this. I want his life. I want his spirit. I want redemption for my sin. And he took a people that were cut off and he grafted us into the vine. Hallelujah. That's what we're doing in this Bible study. We're going to go in. I'm going to show you. You didn't, you didn't come through this thing by way of Pentecost alone. You didn't come to this thing by the waters of baptism alone. But God had foreordained before the foundations of the world that he would call out to himself a Gentile bride, an alien people, that's us, and he would graft us into the vine. We would be the new branches into the old vine. He would call a people out, amen, as James would say, amen, a people for his name's sake. I want you to lift your hands and say, that's me. Say, that's me. I, I'm the call. I'm the ecclesia of God. Amen. The word ecclesia means the prophetically called out ones. That's us. Ecclesia is where we get the word church. Amen. We are the prophetically called out of God. Amen. You couldn't earn your way into this. You couldn't buy your way into this. You couldn't be good enough for it. It was only through the blood of Jesus that he removed the partition of the law and fulfilled it. Amen. Through his life and his sacrifice on Calvary. Oh, just go ahead and lift your hands and your voice to the Lord right now. I'm so thankful that I'm connected. I'm so thankful that I'm connected to the vine. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, for we are saved by grace through faith, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want to tell you something tonight. I know, I know we're taking a long way to get to this. And we're going to get there some, some point in the future over the next few weeks. Amen. But the point of this is for, I want you to understand by the time we're done with this Bible lesson that you're not just a little Pentecostal. You're not an afterthought of God. You're not an afterthought of God. You're not an afterthought of God. You're not God's plan B. I've heard that preached. Well, because Israel didn't want him, he, he then let us. No, it was the design of God. 
You are the design of God. He looked at an alien people like us, cut off. And he said, I'm going to choose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I'm going to give my life for you. And before we're done with this Bible lesson, this Bible study series, I pray you will have a more profound faith in the God that has called you out of darkness and to walk into his marvelous light. When you see how chosen you are of God, listen, when you see how chosen you are of God, I'm going to tell you something. Holiness won't be an issue for you. Separation won't be an issue. Having a prayer life won't be an issue. Falling in love with the Word of God won't be an issue. When you see how God has chosen you and has preordained you from the foundation of the world, when you see the promises that God gave Israel that pertain to you, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to grab a hold of that. You're going to fall in love with God. You're going to get reconnected to the vine. Amen. And you're going to realize that God chose me for such a time as this hallelujah 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 we live in a world that tells us we're not good enough but God said I want you I want you you are not my backup plan you are a chosen generation you are a royal priest look at somebody and say I'm a royal priesthood tell them I'm a royal priesthood tell them I'm a peculiar treasure did you know you were a treasure did you know that? You are a treasure. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a treasure. And you're not just any treasure. You're a peculiar treasure. That means you are a distinctive, special treasure to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you only seen how much value you have, in the sight of God. You would never let anybody make you feel low again because you'll understand the value and the worth that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you. Hey Amen. I ain't got time to get into it. We'll get into it in the next lesson. When you understand how much God values you, you're not going to let somebody look down on you because of your separation from the world. They look at you and, yeah, you look different. So what? That's how he wants me to look. He designed me that way. You talk different. Exactly. Because he wants me to talk different. I'm his peculiar treasure. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. Who he has called out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. That we should show forth his praises. Amen. I want us tonight to just lift our hands for a moment. Amen. I pray that God has opened your spiritual understanding in your eyes in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and just lift your hands to the Lord Jesus right now. Oh God, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for a family of believers that loves your word, that is committed to your word, that is dedicated to your word. And Lord, for all of us that are here tonight in different stages and in different phases of our journey, we're at different mile markers on the road to heaven. Lord, I thank you that you speak through your spirit expressly to where I am. Lord, I pray there be encouragement and hope and enlightenment. I pray when somebody goes home tonight or tomorrow and they read this scripture and they begin to meditate it, they begin to reevaluate things in their life in light of this lesson tonight. God, I pray that they would feel 
feel strength. I pray they would feel a gentle nudge from your spirit calling them onward. In the name of Jesus, reach over and take somebody by the hand for just a moment and just begin to pray with them in the Holy Ghost right now. One treasure to another treasure. One royal priesthood to another priesthood. I want you to just connect and pray with them for just about 60 seconds. Just let the power of the Holy Ghost pray through you and into them. In the name of Jesus, I'm a part of an eternal kingdom. I'm a part of an eternal kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.